the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to another thrill-packed edition of Unite, i.e. Radio, the radio show for the most important political office, that of the private citizen. My name is Greg Britton with the Redlands Tea Party Patriots, joined by my co-host Don Dix, a chapter leader of Act for America in Corona, host of the uh, Jen and Don Show. He's the Don in the Jen and Don Show. And Clearly. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good thing. Yeah. And this time, a week ago, what was going on, Greg? A week ago? You want me to remember a week ago? A whole, a whole week ago. Seven news cycles ago. Wow. So let, me, let me think. Let me think. Wasn't there a conference or something in uh, in Riverside? That there was indeed. There was a uh, huge event that uh, unfolded on Sunday, April the eighth. It was the fifth annual United I Conservative Conference, and we had. A uh, what I think is easily characterized as a sellout crowd. Well, especially since we had to turn people away from that. That qualifies as a sellout crowd. Yeah, and that's the first one. That is our first sellout. This was we thought in advance it was going to be the best one because of our speaker lineup, and I think it was the best one with Sebastian Gorka, Katie Hopkins, and all. Every everybody up there did a good job. The speakers, uh, the order of the speakers, the speakers themselves, their messages, right down to the congressional candidates. I think what was delivered from the podium was flawless. And I think for the most part, it was flawlessly received by the audience, the full house that was there. And you, you can feel the, I mean, people having a good time. You can feel the energy to it. Yes. It was, it, it was, it was just a wonderful, wonderful event. And so next year, everyone, make sure you buy your tickets earlier so you don't get turned away at the door. Yeah. And we're already getting together to begin to conspire about next year's event. But very important message in this year's conference and we talked about this earlier in the week you and i this year is the midterms of course every uh four years a presidential election two years later the midterms we're going to be voting on all the congressional offices the top of the ticket offices governor uh secretary of state attorney general uh everything here in california is up for grabs and i got to admit at that conference, it really began to weigh on me the gravity of what this midterm means, not just for California, but the entire country. Because if this midterm does not go the way it needs to go in order to be able to continue to roll out Donald Trump's agenda, this could be the end of the republic. I mean, I literally felt that to my core at this event. That the finality of it, the uh, the moment in time that we're in, is that if we don't support Donald Trump with returning a majority of Republicans to Congress, a majority of senators to the Senate, 
and deny the Democrats a supermajority in Sacramento, uh, the progressive Marxists that dominate Sacramento, academia, entertainment industry, and other institutions around the country, education, uh, the media, it's game over. I don't know how we recover from that unless somehow Donald Trump is able to survive two years of Democratic majority rule to be able to become president again and flip everything back. Well, certainly they, they, they won't get anything out of Congress. They'll be at, at the best case would be if the Democrats control either house of Congress is total impasse. And I'm not even sure they can ever – you may have perpetual government shutdowns. Uh, nothing, nothing, good is gonna, nothing good can possibly happen there because unlike when the Republicans took control of the House in 2010 and ultimately the Senate in 2014 or even when the Republicans won control of both houses in 1994 when Clinton was in office. Right. Republicans are not Democrats. Democrats are organized, partisan, disciplined. They have goals. They, they fight for their goals of more government, moving the country in a socialist direction. But they, they at least give them credit that they have goals and they fight for them. And they never give up on their goals. They may lose. They may, they may not get what they want this time. They may lose an election. They may lose every branch of government the way they in, in, happened in 2016, but they never, ever, ever give up. Unlike our side, whose reaction to losing is, how do we, how do we become more like the Democrats? We need to change. We need to, we need, we need to give up. We need to, that's the reaction of Republicans. And when they don't have clear goals, they, they offered no effective opposition to Obama all those times. So for six years of, of Obama's eight, the, the Republicans controlled at least one House of Congress. Nothing to stop Obama anywhere. They, they funded everything he wanted to see funded. Every year they caved to Obama. And the Democrats aren't going to be, Democrats won't be like that. And Dr. Gorka talked about the importance of the upcoming elections. But I don't think he communicated the seriousness of the situation. We saw what the Democrats did in 2016. They colluded with the FBI and the Department of Injustice. They engaged in vote fraud. And we have the James O'Keefe videos of paid operatives of the Hillary Clinton campaign boasting about how they planned to commit vote fraud. We know that in New Hampshire, Democrat vote fraud cost Donald Trump the state and cost Republican Senator Kelly Ayotte re-election. It was very close there, but they brought in enough voters there from out from other Democrat states. And using their same-day vote fraud, uh, actually uh, registration, i.e. vote fraud statute, they registered them, and that was the difference in winning the state and winning that Senate race for the Democrats. We know that they bribed at least two or offered bribes to at least two women to make allegations against Donald Trump. And do we really believe those are the only two? No. So now, having lost the 2016 election by surprise, they are going to redouble, re-triple all of their efforts. So for us, if we sit back, if we merely do what we did in 2016... We're going to lose. I agree. And I, I, you know, people cannot think that other people are going to do the heavy lifting. There's, there's proper care and feeding of a republic. 
that has been forgotten, largely forgotten, especially, I think, by those that hold conservative uh, worldviews. We didn't teach it in uh, the elementary schools after the, I don't know, the late 70s, early 80s is when civics really, a full appreciation of civics and the founding documents and what it really means to be a republic has been stripped out of elementary schools. I don't even know if they get a proper appreciation of it in high school. And it's not just, we got this great Declaration of Independence, this great Constitution. But it's making the connection between those documents and the responsibilities we have today in maintaining those documents, what I like to call the proper care and feeding of the republic. And it's more than just voting. So many people feel, well, yeah, I do my civic thing. I vote. I show for jury duty. No. It's uh, uh, understanding what your elected officials are doing and holding them accountable to their actions. And if they aren't doing uh, the correct job in their roles, it's grabbing the leash and yanking it like you do with a dog that's out of control and saying, heal, or we will replace you. Being a citizen, being a government subject is so much easier. Being a sheep in the government pasture is so much easier. I'll just want to see what's on TV tonight. I'll watch the game. I'll watch the latest episode of this, that, of um, Game of Thrones, whatever. Versus being a citizen of a constitutional republic takes work, time, and effort. But the natural tendency of government, and Jefferson observed this, is for government to gain ground and for liberty to yield. So it takes this constant effort by the citizens to balance this natural tendency of government to grab more authority and more control over the people. Exactly right. Dennis Prager said, the bigger the government, the smaller the citizen. And I think that's really uh, where we're headed if we don't get control of the midterms. We've got to take a quick break right now. It's the United IE Radio Program broadcasting from AM 590, The Answer. Deep We're behind to- enemy lines here in California. According to Dr. Sebastian Gorky, did a shout out for us on Hannity uh, this week. We'll talk about the conference and more coming up as we continue on AM 590, The Answer. After this word from Ed Hoffman of Wholesale Capital Corporation, the place to go for your real estate lending needs, both residential and commercial. Back after this. Hey, Larry Elder here. Now, if you're a homeowner thinking about refinancing or you'd like to be a homeowner and aren't sure where to start, call my friend Ed Hoffman at Wholesale Capital Corporation. Rates are great right now, and from what Ed tells me, there are a lot of great opportunities out there in real estate. You need a lender you can count on, and I can vouch for Ed. He'll deal with you straight and advise you like you're part of the family. Just give Ed a call at 855-640-2020. That's 855-640-2020. I know Ed. He's a good guy. He'll talk to you like a friend and won't make you feel like you've just walked into a shark tank. Now's the time to buy or refinance. Give my friend Ed Hoffman a call at Wholesale Capital Corporation. Again, 855-640-2020. That's 855-640-2020. Or visit him online, wccloans.com. 855-640-2020. AM 590, The Answer. AM 
This is Assemblywoman Melissa Melendez urging you to tune in to Unite IE Radio every Saturday afternoon at 4 p.m. on AM 590, The Answer. Welcome back to the United Inland Empire radio program, the radio show for the most important political office in the country. You guys out there in our listening audience, the citizens of the republic, the folks that are responsible for the proper care and feeding of our republic, we just had the most amazing annual event, uh, the Unite IE Conservative Conference, fifth annual, and we were reflecting in the earlier segment about our thoughts coming out of that conference. And I just want to inject in here that Westminster this week voted to support the federal lawsuit against California uh, over this sanctuary law. Uh, there's a variety of different ways that cities around the state, so far most of them in Southern California, are deciding to, uh, cool, I, I guess, oppose SB 54 is the best way to put it. Some are deciding to join the federal lawsuit against the sanctuary city. Some are deciding to file resolutions. Some are deciding to um, uh, actually, in the case of Huntington Beach, initiate their own lawsuits. Uh, It appears that in the case of Westminster, that they've decided to join the fight. And what makes this especially fun is guess who showed up to Westminster's? Who? Who? None other than the guy that wrote SB 54, Kevin DeLeon, or well, Kevin Leon. As his, his real name is Kevin Leon. Right. Yeah. He's, uh, what, what is, what's his nationality? Do we know? I don't know. Okay. I, I don't think it's, uh, what his last name purports it to be, I think. Yeah, it's, but he does. But but he, but he does purport. But he does claim that half of his relatives are illegals and have used identity fraud, and he think, he thinks that's just fine. Yep. So Westminster's decision comes after several other Orange County citizen uh, cities, uh, including uh, Huntington Beach, Los Alamitos, Newport Beach, have voted to support uh, the federal lawsuit against California. This vote was three to one, and uh, apparently another rowdy. City Hall meeting. Which, by the way, um, Beaumont is going to be considering this coming Tuesday at 6 o'clock. And Glenn Stowe and his Beaumont banning Cherry Valley Tea Party are going to be there. So everyone who is listening to us, both of you, um, get out there at at 6 6 p.m. at the uh, Beaumont City Hall and show your support. And there is floating around the internet. I don't know exactly who's producing it, but somebody's producing a calendar of when these cities throughout California, again, mostly Southern California, are going to take up this issue. And more and more, those that uh, are taking up the issue are starting to put pressure on those that haven't. Uh, Upland, I think, is somewhere in the process of getting ready to do it. I've heard, but I don't know uh, when. But this calendar is conf- uh, it lists cities that have confirmed that there is a uh, agenda item to consider uh, the whatever the action that that particular city is deciding to do, whether it's a resolution or to join in with the federal government or to initiate their own. Huntington Beach, I guess, is a special in a special situation only because they're a charter city, and being a charter city it enables them to do things that uh, the other type of city cannot do. Right, and this is this is beyond my area of legal expertise, but there is an important are important differences if you being a quote charter city unquote in California versus a general law city. So the state law trying to control what local governments do may there may be different application and different legalities between a charter city and a general law city. Yep. 
But this is this is really amazing to me, and very surprising and amazing and wonderful is to see all of these cities and the the leaders there actually standing up for the rule of law, standing up for Americans, and standing up for pro American immigration policy. Uh, I would have thought they would have all just. We're going to duck it. It's not our issue. There's a federal lawsuit underway. So we'll let that play out uh, and not and, and try to straddle the middle there. But all these jurisdictions, they've stood up, and this is wonderful because um, this may be one in which the uh, leftist Democrats in Sacramento, as if there's any other kind, have overreached. Because yeah. and it's not just um, it's not just the usual Democrat policy of of aiding and abetting and, and favoring illegal immigration in in general, but this law and they went so far and they're so arrogant in their position up there in Sacramento that they're going to favor illegal and want to protect illegal alien criminals over Americans, and that may be a bridge too far for them, even even in California, because there's polling data that sanctuary cities are unpopular even among Democrats. Yeah, and even among people who are immigrants that have gone through the process to become citizens, you know, sort of the correct way. It takes time, it takes money. Um, and those people who have, you know, obtained citizenship are looking at this and saying, wait a minute, how, why are we protecting illegal aliens uh, in this way? And there's a lot of misinformation about SB 54. Uh, even I was listening to the morning answer, you know, Jennifer and Brian were debating this earlier in the week. And, you know, Jennifer was trying to help Brian understand that SB 54 is a law that requires the city that, you know, essentially the police to not cooperate with ICE. Now, Orange County did something tricky. The the sheriff in Orange County actually decided that instead that what the, her way around the law was to publish the entire list of when anybody was going to be released by the Orange County sheriffs. That way, it's both you know it, it, now it makes it I guess a little more challenging for ICE, but they have to go through the entire list to figure out when. Uh, illegal aliens are being r- released, but they still know. And so it kind of confounded the powers that be up in Sacramento. They can't stop her from releasing the entire list. She found a way around that. And there's going to be an initiative. It's, it's been submitted to the Attorney General and Secretary of State. So they'll, they'll get processed. They'll give them the, the, the biased title and, and ballot summary. But that's, that's going to be out within a month or two and for signature gathering, although that will not be on the ballot, even if it qualifies, until 2020. 2020. Right. Uh, tra- uh, Travis Allen, when he becomes governor, says he's going to call a special election. And one of his first things to do is to and to put this on the ballot. And I say I, th- I think the, the the Democrats may very well have overreached on this one and is giving an issue for Travis Allen and other Republicans. Say we put Americans, put Californians, legal residents of California ahead of illegal alien criminals. And I think that is a winning issue. Yeah, they the the pendulum. You never know when that pendulum is going to reach a point of no return, and it's going to start swinging back in the other direction. Hopefully, that process has happened. 
Hopefully, people are empowered to get out and help candidates get elected this cycle um, in this midterm because we've got a couple of key races. We'll cover some of those. Uh, We've got to take a break right now. We'll be back with more on the Unite Inland Empire radio program after this break. After this word from Ed Hoffman of Wholesale Capital Corporation, the place to go for your real estate lending needs, both residential and commercial. Back after this. Hi, this is Ed Hoffman, President of Wholesale Capital Corporation and host of the main event, which airs every weekend here on AM590, The Answer. I'm proud to be a part of the effort to make America great again, not just by supporting this station and conservative movement, but also by helping people achieve the American dream of homeownership. Whether you're looking to achieve that dream and you need financing, or you already own a home and you're considering refinancing your mortgage in order to lower your payment, shorten your term, or pay off high-interest debt, or if you're over 62 and want to look into that great financing tool known as a reverse mortgage, Call me at 855-640-2020. That's 855-640-2020. One last time, toll free day or night, 855-640-2020. I'll give you all your options, answer all your questions, and walk you through the process. And don't forget to listen to my show, The Main Event. Saturdays at 10 a.m. and 9 p.m. Sundays at 8 a.m. right here on AM 590, The Answer. Licensed by the California Bureau of Real Estate Broker License Number 01147747 and California Finance Lenders License Number 603K610. Also licensed in Arizona by the Arizona Department of Financial Institutions, MB Number 096199. AM 590, The Answer. Welcome back to Unite IE Radio, the radio show for the most important political office, that of the private citizen. Benjamin Franklin said, whoever would overthrow the liberty of a nation must begin by subduing the freeness of speech. And in the past... That meant the government would do something. The government would censor. The government would, would uh, imprison or even execute critics of the government. But today it's, it's, it's different because you have nominally pri- you have private corporations that are controlling the means of communication, in particular Facebook, Google, Twitter, other and uh, social media companies where vast majorities of people, large numbers of people are getting their information from. And unlike, it's unlike the phone. The phone company used to be politically neutral. The phone company didn't monitor your phone calls and then cut off your phone service if they didn't like what you were saying. But this is now what's happening on Google, on YouTube, on Facebook, and on Twitter. And we just saw Zuckerberg. I thought it was a great meme of him. Someone dressed him up as Commander Data from Star Trek Next Generation and looked just like Brent Spiner, who had, who had played that role. And, then, and and they also did a pretty good imitation of him in testifying. But and uh, one of the one of the amazing things to me is when under under Ted Cruz's fantastically good questioning, because most of the people were um, in Breitbart called they were zucking up to uh, to Zuckerberg, is that uh, he denied he didn't know the political affiliation of his twenty thousand censors that he employs yet. Facebook knows, and you can find if you go through your data. Facebook knows the political affiliation of all two billion of its of its subscribers. Yeah, I found my way into that very portion of Facebook's uh, settings, and I canceled out that I was very conservative, and I canceled out two or three others. There's ways you can go in and you can remove that. What I found most fascinating about these hearings this week, especially in the Senate, is you got ninety year old people questioning Mark Zuckerberg about state of the art internet social media technology and these senators don't even know where to plug in the internet in their own homes right they they have 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 no idea they have staff members they have no idea what's really going on and yet they're trying to get to the bottom 
of this very dicey thing. The other thing I found very ironic, Greg, is that isn't this the same Senate that approved the government harvesting all of our data and storing it for their possible later use? And yet they're outraged that Facebook did the same thing, only they found a way to monetize it and get paid for it. We are the product with Facebook. Right. And and, and they're outraged about the fact that Zuckerberg had the audacity to figure out how to harvest all this data and make money off of it, but yet the government is doing the same thing and they're okay with it. As someone said on the internet, if if they're providing a free something free to you on the internet, you are, are the, the product. product. Absolutely. Yeah, it was very it was very ironic. So much of the hearings they, and they have such vague standards and, and Zuckerberg wanted to describe hate speech, which is a vague term. Terrorist content, nudity, that's felt I mean, that may be more specific. And quote, anything that makes people feel unsafe. Like diamond and silk. Yeah, I mean I'm sure Diamond I'm, and Silk I'm certainly afraid of diamond and silk. Are violating people's safe spaces and whatever the terms are and the terms and conditions. We only have a few seconds left, but where this ties in is the the, the social media companies had now have their thumb on the scale right. uh, for in favor of the Democrats. They're going to have their elbows and their entire leg on the scale come this, come this fall, and the Republicans don't have a clue to what's coming at them, and they're certainly doing nothing to try to stop that. It's too bad they don't control the Congress and the, and the White House. Then maybe they could pass some legislation. On the subject. It's a great point, and it goes back to the beginning of our conversation about the concern for the midterms this year. We've got a fascinating couple of guests coming up who are going to talk about, can you videotape in public meeting spaces? Well, apparently that depends. We'll have Bill Becker of FreedomXLaw.com and Gary Galano, a local activist that was arrested for filming in a federal building. Back after this. Welcome back to Unite IE Radio, the radio show for the most important political office, that of the private citizen. My name is Greg Britton, joined by my co-host Don Dix. And uh, in this half, we have uh, we have two guests. One is one of our greatest activists, Gary Galeno. He specializes, he's what we call a vlogger, in which he blogs using videos on YouTube. We've had him talk about the censorship he's been encountering. And his attorney, uh, William Becker of Freedom X. And the reason why he has an, has an attorney is that uh, Gary dared to film his encounter with two federal marshals at the entrance to the Court of Appeal in Pasadena, where he was going to a state government, a Los Angeles County Sheriff's Advisory Committee meeting, which he has the right under California law to video. And for videoing these uh, these marshals in his encounter with them about whether he could bring his camera in, he was promptly arrested and charged with a federal crime. And this went to trial this past week. So that's what we've, so we've had him back to talk about that experience and his attorney, uh, William Becker, who represented him in this case. Welcome, gentlemen. Hey, guys. How you doing? It's great to have you with us. So since you were arrested by the feds, I've got to ask the big question because everybody that gets arrested nowadays has something to do with Russia. Are you secretly a Russian troll? <laughs> Well, uh, yes, I Yet. am, and uh, that, that's how uh, the president got elected. <laughs> I, 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 second, I second Greg's sentiments. Welcome to the show. Gary, you, you produce 
uh, a lot of video. You go to city council meetings, you go to these uh, special district meetings, and you videotape. Have you ever had a situation where you go in and videotape that they attempt to stop you from videotaping uh, and exercising your constitutional right to document these public meetings? Uh, no. Uh, at, at various uh, city councils and meetings that are supposed to follow the Brown Act, uh, I have never been told ever uh, to not film uh, in those kind of settings. Uh, there have been other settings I've been in that aren't as formal where they've tried to uh, tell me not to film, but, uh, I, you know, I just tell them my rights and they go, oh, okay. But in the Brown Act setting, like city council and all that, uh, I, I had never been told not to film a, a proceeding previously. Now, we've said in federal court, you are not allowed, the rules in federal court are separate apart from anything else. You, you can't video or you can't video in a federal court. Now, Corey, why right, that? Yeah. Is, why that? Why that should be when you can video other government? The Supreme Court has ruled that, for example, you have a right to video police officers performing with whether if they're engaging with some citizen on the street, you can't interfere. But you have a right to video what they're doing. Is that uh, yes, you do. If I can interject on that, of course, Bill. That is that's an issue of law. I, the the question in this case that was raised was whether there is a collision between Gary's right to be able to videotape a Brown Act meeting and the right of uh, federal uh, the right of the federal government to be able to manage its property based on the policies it's adopted. Uh, and a, a lot of federal buildings have a policy whereby videotaping is is prohibited. And the fact that it was prohibited here is what came into conflict with the, the, the Brown Act meeting. The problem was that it was a misunderstanding uh, based on the ignorance of the commission itself, the L.A. County uh, Sheriff's Civilian Oversight Commission, uh, and the, the court officials who arrested Gary. They just didn't coordinate to, to determine what the public's right was on this particular day. And Gary, who is an activist, uh, decided that he wanted to document the unfair and what he perceived to be unconstitutional actions of federal officials in arresting him when he felt he was in his right. So that that was what made this particular case unique. And, um, in fact, I think it's unprecedented. And I just have to say that because it's unprecedented, we were shocked that he was actually convicted of this, this uh, misdemeanor. I understand. He, he was barely in the door. So, I mean, it wasn't like he was in the courtroom or anything and walking down the hallway videoing. He was barely inside the door at the security checkpoint. And then the, and he's just videoing his, 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 his uh, interaction with the federal marshals that are running the security checkpoint as they're trying to tell him he can't bring his camera in. And Gary's trying to explain his position that he has the right to bring his camera in. So, so it wasn't even like in a courtroom videoing. And then they promptly arrest him. Yeah, well, they, they were overzealous, uh, they overreached, and the judge who has worked at the Ninth Circuit Court and who is comfortable with the environment that she works in with uh, security and, and court officials uh, erred on the side of protecting court officials. That's what this came down to, because she's also a former journalist, and I uh, we tried to appeal to her sense of fairness as a journalist, because Gary is a citizen journalist, 
and uh, that that just did not uh, succeed. So uh, the the court it, look. <clears throat> the fact is, is that Gary violated their policy. If you're looking at the letter of the law, he's a first offender. He wasn't he wasn't threatening the security of the building or Clearly. the the, pri- the privacy of any individual. Exactly. Uh, and that's the reason for the prohibition on videotaping in the building. That's the reason for that policy. So, uh, you know, we're considering an appeal on the case, and regardless of how we come out on the appeal, I think we have a very strong constitutional basis for filing a civil action on Gary's behalf and also on behalf of uh, Robin Vitson, who was uh, there as well for We the People Rising and who was ordered after an hour of videotaping to take her camera out to her car. She was actually in the meeting videotaping then, not videotaping security outside. She waited until she got into the meeting and started videotaping. Is that the difference? Yeah, and I'll let Gary address it, but they let, they let her in with, with her camera. Yeah, that was actually a big part of our case was the fact that uh, the way it worked out was when we walked into the building, she was actually the first in line of our group and went to the full security screen. They went through her bags and everything. And they let her pass. And I, you know, working with Robin for the last three years, I know she always has a camera on her, so I knew she'd gotten her camera through. And when they started telling me that I could not take a camera through, I just wanted to know what their reason was. And when they wouldn't really give me a reason, and I came to the realization that they weren't going to check with anybody, because when I brought up the Sheriff's Commission meeting, uh, they acknowledged that, that I knew what I was talking about. They're like, oh, yeah, that is going on here. And all I, all I wanted them to do was just to go check with someone to say either I'm right or I'm wrong. And when I realized that they weren't even going to do that, I said, well, I at least have to document this. And so uh, I was arrested for uh, trying to uh, – well, I was arrested when I started taping them. But, uh, yes, Robin did get a camera past security. And when I say a camera, I'm talking an actual standalone camera, not a cell phone right. camera. And, and then she proceeded to use that camera – Uh, For a very long time, Uh, the L.A. Times was also there. They got their cameras uh, with a little bit of argument, of course, because they didn't let them get in initially either. But after a little bit of convincing, you know, they got their cameras through. And so there was all kinds of cameras uh, going on in this meeting while I sat in the back uh, sitting in handcuffs. And then the U.S. Attorney's Office, instead of saying, okay, this is a misunderstanding, it's not, the U.S. Attorney's Office made the decision to prosecute the case. Yeah, yeah, and it, it, it's funny. The U.S. Attorney in San Diego, as Gary pointed out to me a, a month ago, in the interest of justice, dismissed charges against a human trafficker who, who brought 77 illegal immigrants into the country. In the interest of justice, that case was dismissed. I asked the court to dismiss this one in the interest of justice, and they weren't having any of it. Uh, I can't explain what goes on in the mind of a judge when uh, an individual who is charged as a first-time offender, who will not be a repeat offender, who did something for all the right reasons, uh, is nevertheless slapped with a criminal conviction simply because they think that there needs to be order within a federal courthouse. And, uh, you know, that, that, that was the rationale of, of Judge Rosenbluth in this case. You know, it's a good thing that Gary didn't do something serious like take a $140 million bribe to sell 20% of America's uranium to Russia, because then the federal government would really come after him. Exactly. Only if his name were Hillary. 
Exactly right. I've got a follow-up question on everything that you just laid out for us there, Bill. Uh, we got to take a quick break, and we'll be back with more with Bill Becker. He's an attorney with the law firm Freedom X law.com you can go to their website see more about the kinds of cases that they've represented um they always need help with fundraising to be able to represent people like gary uh so there's a constant need to be able to support a law firm that does this type of work that protects activists and what they do and we're talking to gary galeno who was arrested at a federal courtroom Uh, or a federal building, I should say. And uh, we'll be back with more with this story because we've only gotten into it part way after a word from our sponsor for this hour. All-Star Collision, the place to take your car when you have an accident because they are truly the kings of rock and roll. Back after this. When you're in an auto accident, you want quality repairs done as fast as possible. All you need is All-Star. For 20 years, CarStar, All-Star Collision, and Corona has delivered quality work and customer service with honesty and integrity. So when the inevitable happens to you, all you need is CarStar, All-Star Collision. 951-279-9161. Mention AM590 and get a free rental car for up to five days or $100 off your repairs. CarStar, All-Star Collision, the kings of wreck and roll. 951-279-9161. AM590, the answer. This is Senator Mike Morrell asking you to tune in to Unite IE Radio every Saturday at 4 o'clock on AM 590, The Answer. Welcome back to the Unite Inland Empire radio program, the show for the most important political office in the entire country, that of private citizen. We're talking to Bill Becker, an attorney with a law firm called Freedom X. You can find more about the kinds of cases that Bill represents at freedomxlaw.com. I'm looking through the list here real quick, Bill. Uh, One of the ones that stands out to me, actually, has to do with the San Diego uh, School District where... Uh, care was coordinating with the San Diego School Board to do some things. Um, we'll, maybe we'll get a chance to get into that. But before the break, we were talking with a client of his and an activist uh, around the Southern California area, Gary Galano, who videotapes, goes to uh, a lot of public uh, meetings, city council meetings, uh, has actually been in attendance of three of these meetings where we have had uh, city councils make decisions about this uh, participating uh, and pushing, participating in the fight against uh, SB 54. Before the break, you were describing uh, a little bit about Gary's situation where he was uh, videotaping uh, an interaction with some law enforcement individuals at a federal building. Uh, other activists were going to a public, essentially was a public meeting uh, where we're allowed to film under normal circumstances, but because this was in a federal building, different rules applied. You mentioned LA Times had a little discussion with the guards about getting their cameras in, but ultimately got their cameras in. And now in the federal case, in this in this case, you said that there was a judge who made the decision to, and a prosecution that went ahead and prosecuted Gary for this, resulting in a misdemeanor offense. But these other organizations, the LA Times and other activists, got cameras in, whereas Gary was prohibited. What was the difference, Bill? Yeah, I, I don't know. Gary 
was there, and Gary, you're going to have to uh, to tell Don whether or not that was an actual camera, because it's my understanding that the L.A. Times did not have permission to record there. And, in fact, the, the prosecutor was threatening legal action against the L.A. Times if they did violate the policy, because there was a video that they shot at the threshold of the courthouse of Gary being arrested. There's no, And that was posted by uh, Maya Lau, a reporter for the L.A. Times, on her, on her Twitter account. Um, but I don't think that they had cameras in the courtroom, and Gary wasn't in the courtroom or in, in the hearing room. So uh, I don't believe that that's an accurate statement. Uh, but, Gary, correct me if I'm wrong on that. Yeah, uh, what I wanted to say about that was uh, one thing that was really interesting that came out in the trial was one of the witnesses that testified, he had said, the question was asked, did anybody ask for special permission uh, to film inside the building that day? And he said, no, Uh, the L.A. Times was not allowed to testify, and I would have liked for them to have been asked, did you have to get permission uh, on that day to, to, you know, to come videotape, and they would have said no. And that's important because they didn't need the permission. And so on the day of the, of, uh, of the incident, uh, when I spoke to Maya, the L.A. Times writer that wrote the article initially about the incident, uh, she had said that they didn't even take their press passes with them, so they didn't have any of their media credentials. And so they were dealing with the same kind of situation I was, where they're trying to walk in, and they're just saying, no, 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 and they're saying, well, we're with, you know, the press. Uh, I don't know what they did to convince them, because by the time they were able to get in, I was already, you know, taken mm-hmm. away. Mm-hmm. But what we do know is uh, one, she was with another person, uh, like, like a photographer, and we had, and I don't, I don't know if it was a, I think it was just a regular camera, like, just to take photographs. But we know for certain they were taking photographs inside uh, the court building because one of their photographs we use as evidence uh, in the trial, mm. and we have a, and we have a well, picture well. of we we have a picture yeah, I mean, of the person with a huge professional camera in, inside the the meeting room. So they did get that camera in the building. Okay, I am not certain of that as a fact either, and I'm not sure you are, Gary, because you weren't in there, but that could have been a cell phone, an iPhone photograph for all we know. We don't know that they got their cameras in there as a fact, so I, I hate to contradict you on that, but I, I just don't know. Uh, oh, no, we have, a fo- we have a photo of them with their cameras. Like, it's a big, huge professional camera. Inside well, the building. All I kn- inside, all, yeah, all inside. I know, all I know is that... that there was no evidence to that effect, and uh, this first I've heard of it. Listen, the bottom line is that the, the, the judge made it a point of saying that you can catch some, but not not everyone. Just as she raised the example of jaywalking, she got a jaywalking ticket and asked the police officer why these other people jaywalking weren't being ticketed, and the police officer said, because we can't catch everyone. Well, and that's the same with a speeding ticket as well. But that doesn't really apply in this case, because in this case, they had a system in place where they were screening people at, at the uh, at the checkpoint um, and uh, inspecting bags, and they allowed uh, at least Robin Vincent to get in there with her camera, and they right. allowed her to videotape for an hour. So you know, there. There. By the way, there, we also had evidence of Tracy Ka- Tracy Caps uh, and Gary going there two years before and walking straight into the courthouse and being waved through by federal court security to the civilian uh, hearing that was being that was being conducted there. So, 
the judge discounted that evidence as well. It, it, all I can tell you is this. This was a Class C petty offense misdemeanor that carried uh, a $10,000 fine and 30 days in jail penalty. Uh, if he had paid the fine without trying the case, it would have cost him $250. But by trying the case, it ended up costing him $85. It's just, to, to me, it's a farce. And how much taxpayer did, how much did the taxpayers pay to, to uh, exactly. prosecute and tens try this of, case? Tens of thousands of dollars. Bill, you would know, do you, you would know that they, yeah, they spent, they spent months with me trying to negotiate them to dismiss. And, uh, and uh, so the taxpayers ended up putting the bill for tens of thousands of, of dollars of prosecutor time. Do you think the prosecutor's zealousness, I'm just going to use that word, I'm not sure how, if you would characterize it as this, was to prosecute this case was driven in any way by the current greater environment that we're in or because Gary and some of the other folks that he's with have more of a conservative worldview versus, uh, you know, perhaps people going in uh, that were li- that might have been liberals. Do you think at all that there was that element, uh, you know, uh, playing out in this situation? Uh, I wish I could say that we had objective evidence of that, but I, I don't. I'd have to reach into the mind of the judge and the prosecutor. I think that the prosecutor in this case, the deputy U.S. attorney who tried the case, was a young guy. And uh, his supervisor sat in the courtroom watching the, the one-day trial. Uh, I believe that he was getting experience off of this, this classy, phony misdemeanor case. Uh, it, it just defies logic. The United States government has time and resources to prosecute this nothing burger mm. uh, when there's so much crime being committed around around Southern California. We need to take a break, but um, I have a follow-up question, and we're going to ask I'm going to ask you, Bill, whether you can get back. Is there is equality before the law and the rule of law dead or dying in America? And we'll get to those questions after this word from All Star Collision, the place to take your car when you have an accident, because they are truly the kings of rock and roll. Back after this. When you're in an auto accident, you want quality repairs done as fast as possible. All you need is All-Star. For 20 years, CarStar, All-Star Collision, and Corona has delivered quality work and customer service with honesty and integrity. So when the inevitable happens to you, all you need is CarStar, All-Star Collision. 951-279-9161. Mention AM590 and get a free rental car for up to five days or $100 off your repairs. CarStar, All-Star Collision, the kings of wreck and roll. 951-279-9161. AM590, the answer. Welcome back to the Unite Inland Empire radio program. We are have on the phone with us Bill Becker. He is an attorney uh, with the organization FreedomXLaw.com, uh, representing individuals and uh, uh, groups around the country when they brush up against, when the, the law overreaches. And, uh, you know, you were mentioning during the break, Bill, one of the cases that you uh, are representing some of the individuals that were injured during the UC Berkeley riots, if you will, the Antifa riots. Uh, that's a case that you handle for some of the plaintiffs in that, right? Yeah, uh, Sean Steele and I are collaborating on that case. He's handling the tort claims, but those have been dismissed. Uh, I'm pretty much um, handling the constitutional claims uh, on behalf of four victims 
two of whom were kicked unconscious, two of whom were pepper sprayed and had the crud beat out of them, uh, all in video, on video. And uh, we're suing the University of California, Berkeley, uh, Greg's alma mater, and uh, we're suing UC Berkeley on behalf of one of those victims. I mean, it, it, it's pretty outrageous. Everybody saw the uh, on live TV that night uh, when Milo Yiannopoulos was at right. the UC Ber- Berkeley campus and the helicopters and floodlights and police. And what was outrageous here was that the police... As soon as the Antifa crowd started swarming into Sproul Plaza, uh, decided rather than confront them and protect the, the public uh, from the violence that was being threatened, they decided to cowardly retreat into MLK Student Center and lock the doors. Uh, there's going to be evidence in this case, uh, if it survives summary judgment, there's going to be evidence in this case that uh, that the police deliberately sought to close out the public from escaping when they were being attacked, and they sat there behind the, the, the window doors just watching them getting beaten. Because conservatives are the ones that are filled with hate and violence. Greg has a follow-up question regarding this matter with Gary that we've been discussing for this past uh, se- session. Uh, go ahead, Greg. We only have a little time left, but what's happening to the principles of equality before the law and the rule of law in America? And you have about a minute to answer the, those, that, that question. Me? Is that for me? Yes. Uh, yeah, well, I, I think that the eight years of Obama uh, substantially transformed the character of the country to the point where now colleges and schools are, are being fed by, by uh, lobby groups, underground groups that have taken to social media and are using the architecture of social media to be able to get these walkouts to occur, for instance, on on high school campuses over the Parkland, Florida shooting, and and basically uh, indoctrinating uh, our youth at a very young age now to create future Democrats, future anarchists. Uh, The the college campuses seem apparently lost right now, but I think there's there's, uh, some reason to be hopeful. I, I really think cases like the UC Berkeley case or my case at the University of Washington and others these cases are starting to show that the left, which is just blind to the First Amendment and blind to the protections that were guaranteed under it, uh, will have to start to learn them. That doesn't mean I don't think that we're going to we're going to quickly get uh, these rights protected, but I think that we're putting up a strong challenge. And if if allowed to uh, uh, organizations like Freedom Act. Uh, we are going to have we're gonna we're gonna have to leave it there. We're up against a hard break. Thank you, Bill. Thank you, Gary, for everything you're doing for the cause. Thank you for being on our show, and we will see you all in the audience next week on Unite IE Radio. Thanks for listening. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. 
with in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com, salemnow.com.